Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Let's pray together. God, today we sing of your goodness, of who you are, of what you've done. We sing these words of truth about you, about a Father who loves us, a God who is faithful, a God who is faithful even when your children, we are unfaithful to you, a God who is faithful through generations, a God who is faithful yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So, Father, we celebrate who you are. We celebrate what you've done. We celebrate your goodness today. And now as we turn to the pages of Scripture, we ask that you would speak to us, that we would hear your words, hear your voice today. Move in us, change us, teach us how to love better. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, again, it's great to see you here with us this morning. Great to have you tune in online. Uh, we exist here at Faith Christian for one reason, and that is to help people find and follow Jesus. If there's some way we can walk with you to help you find your, take your next step as a follower of Jesus, we want to do that. Let us know how we can walk with you as you find or follow Jesus. Uh, I do want to mention one thing to you by way of announcement this morning before we get on, and that is to invite you to come back tonight for our 608 service. Uh, 608 services are just nights of worship, prayer, uh, some a few thoughts from from scripture this evening uh, we got some special things planned tonight we hope that you will be here uh, for the 608 service this night of worship again that happens tonight at 608 which is why we call it the 608 service do this once a quarter or so we hope that you will be here this evening um, all ages are invited all ages are welcome we think it's a, it's a wonderful time and hope that you'll take the opportunity tonight uh, to share that time of worship with us for our 608 service uh, let me say again to you as I've said every Sunday this fall welcome home that's our theme this fall, this idea of welcome home. We're using this, this imagery of home uh, to kind of guide our teaching and what we're, what we're talking about uh, between now, really, and through the end of, of this calendar year. And we've been talking the last several weeks about this idea of uncommon families, talking about your home, about this idea of uncommon families, because common in families just isn't working anymore. Common is not good right now. In fact, in what's common in families now is divorce and dysfunction and depression and codependency and dealing with all the junk that your parents put on you that you're still trying to sort through with your therapist right now. We just think it could be better than that. We think family could be better than that because we think that God designed the family, that this was God's idea. And if it's God's idea, well, let's see what God has to say about how we do family, how we lead our families, how we guide our families. So we've been going back to, to the Bible to try to figure this out. And we've been identifying some basic principles along the way. We've done three so far. Got one more today, one more next week. We'll get us through the month of October. So far, we've said this, that uncommon families widen the circle. They widen the circle. There's you as the parent have the most influence over your kid, but you're not the only voice. And so we intentionally widen the circle of people speaking truth into our families' lives. We said second, that uncommon families imagine the end. That it's not just about what do our kids accomplish, it's about who our kids are becoming. Are they becoming the men and the women that God has designed them, created them to be? And then we parent towards that. We imagine the end. Last week, if you're here, we talked about how uncommon families fight for the heart. Every family fights. But are we fighting for the right thing? Are we fighting for the hearts of our kids? Today, I want to explore this topic. Uncommon families create a rhythm. 
Uncommon families create a rhythm. Every family has a rhythm. Whether you still have kids in the, in the house or not, your family has a rhythm. You don't necessarily intend to have a rhythm, but you have one. We all end up with one. You have one. I have one. My family has one. Your family has one. Every family has a rhythm. Let me give you some examples. Mealtime. There is a rhythm to how you eat as a family. All of us have, have a rhythm for how our families eat a meal together. Maybe for some of you, it's we eat three meals a day around the same table. That's our rhythm. That's the way we do it. Maybe your family eats together in the living room while you're watching TV. But that's your rhythm. That's how you do it. Maybe your rhythm is that you eat together in the car on the way to the next activity, but you know, you're scarfing down a Big Mac on the way to dance. Maybe that's the way, the way it works, but that's a rhythm. All of us have a rhythm for how we eat meals together. What about traditions? Every family has their traditions. You have a rhythm of traditions in your family. Maybe it's a family movie night. Maybe it's family game night. Maybe it's how or where or when you celebrate certain holidays. Your family has a rhythm in your traditions. Some of you do this with vacations. There's a rhythm to where you go. There's a rhythm to when you go, be it the beach or Cedar Point or to the lake or to on a camping trip. You, there's a rhythm to how your family recreates together. There's also a rhythm for your life and for your family's life when it comes to spiritual, to a spiritual nature, spiritual matters. You have a spiritual rhythm. And whenever we decide to create a rhythm in our family, no matter what area it is, when we decide to create a rhythm, it always includes certain things. It always excludes certain things. And one of the things that we're going to have to make a decision about whether we include it in our family or whether we exclude it from our family is this idea of a spiritual rhythm and what that looks like in our homes. That's kind of what I want to talk about today. For many of you growing up, you, when it came to this idea of faith and church and spiritual things in your home, your faith played out in your house where you grew up something kind of like this. I've got to be careful here. This is my wife's china. This is valuable. I've got to be really careful. She doesn't know I have this. This usually sits in a padded uh, case inside a, in, inside a cabinet in our kitchen that no one can get to because this is important. The, most of us, I suspect, most of you have a set of china. I'm going to make sure I got the flower on top. Most of you have a set of china in your homes. Ours were, were wedding presents. We got these when we got married 22 years ago. We don't really use the china like i said it sits in a padded case in a special cabinet where no one can get to it or accidentally bump it or push it off we may pull this out occasionally it'll come out at thanksgiving if we're home or christmas uh, maybe it'll come out for for the holidays maybe easter but in reality is as nice as this is as pretty as this is it, it is lovely isn't it as pretty as this is as fancy as this is as expensive as this is this is not a part of the everyday rhythm of our life. If I were to show these plates to my children, they would say, what's that? Dad, did you steal that? that that's what they would wonder because they don't see this very often or not. I would look at my kids and say, we've had this longer than we've had you. But it sits in storage. It sits in the padded, padded case. It's just that we don't use it. It sits in the cabinet, locked away, nice and safe, but this is a part of our family. 
This is a part of who we are. It has value, probably more value to my wife than it does to me. It's got sentimental value. It's got financial value. It's important to our life. But even though it's not a part of our everyday life, it's a part of our family. It's just not a part of the everyday rhythm of our family. Go back there. I wonder, I wonder if that's what faith and church and God was like for a lot of you growing up. Yeah, God existed, and God was important, but it really wasn't a part of the everyday rhythm of our lives. It wasn't a part of the everyday dialogue and discussion in our homes. Maybe you come from a home where your parents brought faith out like we bring out the china once or twice a year, maybe on Christmas or Easter. But we put faith safely back in the cabinet, locked away in its padded case the rest of the year. Maybe you grew up in a home where you brought faith out of the cabinet every week on Sunday, and you celebrated faith, but then you put it back in the cabinet as soon as you got home from church, and the rest of the week it was never really a part of the everyday natural rhythm, discussion, influence in your family's life. And so maybe for you, this is what it looked like growing up. This is what faith looked like growing up. God was important. Faith was important. But I'm not really sure how this intersects with the day-to-day, my daily living, my family's daily life. Here's what you need to know. God has a different idea of what a spiritual rhythm should look like in our lives. Which brings us back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, where we've been the last several weeks walking through this speech that Moses gives, his farewell address he gives to the people of Israel. And God is speaking through his servant named Moses. What's going on here is Moses is speaking to the nation of Israel just before they enter the promised land, and he is telling them how they are going to do life and how they're going to do community. And as they enter the promised land, they've been slaves for generations. They've now been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. Now they're free. They're about to really taste freedom for the very first time. And one of the things that God addresses with his people through Moses is this idea of how a spiritual rhythm could look like within a family. Listen to what he says. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning of verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. The problem for many of us growing up The problem for many of us was our parents' view of impressing it on us, the way that they thought they were going to impress it on us, was either to just like yell and scream and try to slam Bible down our throats, or they just brought it out every once in a while because it was nice and expensive. That was one the way that most of our parents tried to impress that upon us. But they, we've never, most of us have never seen an example of how to incorporate this into our everyday rhythm of life. Moses goes on, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now, just so we're clear, this doesn't mean that you go home and just start Bible-thumping your kids 24-7. That's not what Moses is getting at here. So what does this look like? How are we supposed to create a spiritual rhythm where we talk about the things of God, we have discussions about faith and matters of faith and how that affects our life and how we treat people and how we treat each other, where we talk about the things of God, we talk about faith when we're at home and when we lie down and when we walk along the road and when we get up. What does that look like? Well, if this china set is how you were raised, if this is how you've tried to do faith in your life, 
What we need to be striving for of our families is something more like this. These are the everyday dishes in our family. If you've come to my house and eaten, you've probably eaten off one of these dishes. This is what goes out on the deck, and this is what goes down to the family room. This is what goes on the kitchen table and the breakfast table, and every, every, time, we, most, every time we eat, these are the dishes we use. This is the everyday set. If my kids were to see this, they'd be like, oh yeah, that's our plates. And sometimes these get chipped, and we don't care. Sometimes they get broken, we don't care. We have to go, go back to the store and buy another stack. We just had to do that recently. This little one's actually kind of brand new because we had to replace it because it, the other one's got broken. Because we don't care. Because it's, it's every day. It's a part of who we are. This set has been banged up and beaten up. It's been everywhere. Backyard, front porch. It's been everywhere. If you come to my house, you're probably going to eat off of one of these plates. This is the everyday dishes in our house. I wonder, when I get back to Deuteronomy 6, I wonder if God, speaking through Moses, is trying to help us understand today something more like this. That when it comes to our personal faith, he's not talking about the, 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 the get it out once, twice a year stuff. He's talking about the everyday part of life. He's talking about something where we, 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 we get into a, I'm going to use this word again, this spiritual rhythm. And the idea here is when it comes to this idea of spiritual rhythm, when it comes to getting into a spiritual rhythm, when it comes to talking about God and, 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 and having a dialogue about God in our homes, it needs to be a part of not just the special occasions, not just Christmas and Easter, not just the Sunday morning. It needs to be a part of the everyday morning, noon, and night part of our family's lives, much like these everyday dishes are. And most of us, I suspect, as you sit there and listen to this today, you think, well, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want for my personal life. That's what I want for my kids. I want God to overflow into every part of their life and the rhythm of my life. But the question is, how do we do it? How do we do it? Especially if this is all I've ever known, how am I supposed to start doing this? Well, let's go back to that text for a minute. Did you notice the common things that are talked about in this passage? When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. That's the, that's the verbiage that Moses uses here. Those are everyday things that most of us do every day. These, these are times when you could create a spiritual rhythm in your family, but you've got to create these moments. Let me, let me, let's walk through these moments and let me give you some practical ways we can do this every day with your kids, with your family, to help develop these, this spiritual rhythm. The first one that Moses mentions is, he says, talk about these things when you sit at home. So let's start with sit at home. Let's, said, let's call this mealtime, a time when you sit down. Instead of eating on the run or eating in front of the TV, getting time together to sit down around the table together. Now I know some of you work crazy, stupid hours. And so maybe for your family, it needs to be dessert time. Let's sit around and talk. We might as well have something to eat. You know, grab, grab a little Debbie cake and sit down together and have, have, have some space for it. We're going to create this space to have these conversations. My family's goal is that we eat dinner together every night. We don't always accomplish this, but that's our goal. Sometimes we eat at 4.30 at Wendy's. A couple of weeks ago, we ate Subway sandwiches in my wife's office after school before parent-teacher conferences. Because that's when we had a time we could all be together to eat together. It doesn't always work, but sometimes that's our, that's our goal, is our family eats together dinner every night. So let me challenge you. One night this week. One night this week, 
eat together as a family. Turn off the TV, put the cell phones in a different room, and sit together, put the homework away, get everybody together one night this week for 30 minutes and eat together. Sit down around a table and be together. And then you have to intentionally use this time to discuss things and topics that you want to discuss with your kids. How did you love God and love people today? How did you treat someone else today? How did someone else treat you today? And you use that time to create this rhythm, this spiritual rhythm in your families. Here's the next one that Moses mentioned. He goes, when you walk along the road, let's translate that to our modern society and say it's drive time. It's when you're driving in the car with your kids. What I love about drive time with, with my kids, when I get my kids in the car, or my oldest is driving now, which is, so it's becoming a little less frequent, but when I get my kids in the car with me, you know what I've got? A captive audience. They can't go anywhere. They got to listen, right? Or they don't have to listen. They got to at least hear, right? <laughs> They're stuck there. But what do we do? We crank up the radio, we turn on the iPads, we get out the phone, and we disengage. That's a relational time. Use that time to connect with your kids. Connect your kids with God in that time. Informal time, but be intentional about that time. Create a spiritual rhythm. Here's the next one Moses mentions. When you lie down. Bedtime. That's a pretty easy one, isn't it? Bedtime. The moments before your kids go to sleep is some of the most precious time to say to them what you need to have going through their heads as they drift off to sleep. Especially, I want to say especially the younger they are, but I found even sitting up with my, uh, on the side of my, my teenager's bed before she goes to sleep, that's, that's, that's intimate moments we get to share together. We get to talk to her. I don't think it matters how old your kids are. Something amazing happens when you sit down beside your kid and tuck, tuck them in and just share with them. Part, now, I, you've maximized that time. Part of it is because your kid doesn't want to go to bed, especially if, if, if your younger kid, my, my fourth grader, she doesn't want to go to bed. So she loves to talk at bedtime because she doesn't have to go to sleep yet. But it's a relational moment. There's something about that private domain of a child's room that they'll just kind of open up. They'll share with you things they maybe wouldn't share even over dinner or after school. And if you will, direct that dialogue in a certain way. How's your heart today? Did someone hurt you today? Did you say something to hurt somebody else's feelings today? What made your heart happy today? What made your heart sad today? And then pray with your kid. I know you're thinking, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm, 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 I'm just making a mess. What, what am I going to do? Listen to me. The small thing you do as a parent, the little things you do as a parent in this, in this avenue will make a huge difference in the life of your child. Your awkward prayer from a loving and caring dad or mom in the presence of your kid, out loud with your kid, is more effective than a seasoned prayer of a pastor or a staff member. Here's the last one. Moses mentions when you get up, morning time. That's, you know, time before school, time before work. Now, most of our homes, morning time, I don't know what it's like at your house. There ain't nobody happy in my house before the sun comes up. We're up before the sun comes up, but ain't nobody happy. Except for Caroline. She's always happy. And it annoys the rest of us. It annoys the rest of us, because we haven't had our coffee yet. And so I don't know what it's like at your house, but morning time is angry time at my house. It, it just is. 
I don't want to go. Get up. You got to move. Stop talking. You got to get, get your backpack. What are we doing here? Brush your teeth. Eat your breakfast. What are you standing there for? Move. We got to do something. And they're screaming and there's yelling and there's toothpaste flying through the air. Just go get in the car. What are you doing? Why did I even have kids? Have you had these moments or is it just my house? You've had this, right? This is the moment. This is the time that can be used for good. But I'm going to submit to you. Most often it's used for aggression at my house. And if you're like me, you get your kids dropped off at school or you get them in the car, or you get them out the door and onto the bus and you're 10 minutes down the road in your life and you just think to yourself, what just happened? What did I just say to my kid that they're going to have to tell their therapist about someday? What have I done? I'm, I'm not sure I handled that right today. Listen, it's a new day. It's a new beginning. We have an opportunity as parents to plant an emotional seed in the life and the minds of our kids for the day ahead of them, to set them up for the day. What can I say or what can I do to give my kid fuel to deal with what they're going to face today? One of the things we always say to my kids, even when we're screaming and yelling, we always, uh, we always say to our kids before they go to school, even the 16-year-old, be sweet. It's kind of become our family motto. We just say to him, be sweet. It's an expression I learned from a guy down south years and years ago before I even had kids. We've adopted it, be sweet. What's that mean? It means today you're going to treat other people the way you want to be treated. You're going to be sweet. You're going to be respectful to your teachers. You're going to do what they ask you to do. You're going to be sweet. You're going to be kind to the person that no one else is being kind to. Why? You're going to be sweet. That's just become our expression. So even with the screaming and yelling and toothpaste, they get in the car, be sweet today. Be sweet. It's a reminder to give them something to help them get through the challenges they're going to face that day. You see, relationships are, are kind of like the highway that faith and values travel. And these are some moments, there's more, but these are the moments that Moses mentions that you can use to pour into your child the value of loving God and loving people. That's important how you treat someone else because of the way God has treated you. You do that. You love God, love people. You, you be sweet today. The only way that you're going to create a spiritual rhythm in your kid's life is if you have time with and time for your kids. And it's not just about quality time. You can't make it up with just one week away. It's about quantity time. And during those times, you get up close and personal and intentional with your kids because you are the biggest relationship. You have the most influence in your kid's life. I love the story that Mike Bro tells. I think I've told you the story before. But when his kids were in um, junior high, high school, he was uh, off at a camp where he'd been speaking in this kind of retreat area. And it was a beautiful night, and he was kind of sitting out on the, on the softball field at this camp where he'd been speaking and uh, just kind of just contemplating nature and the beauty of this nature. And very dark, kind of out in the country, and just, he could just see stars and stars and stars forever. So he goes, I just kind of laid back on the ground and just looked up at the stars that beautiful summer night and just, just in awe of all the stars that I could see. And as he goes, as I lay there and just kind of talked to God and we talked about some of the things my family's been going through, he goes, as I lay there, the, the, the moon began to rise. It's kind of like, I don't know if you saw the moon this week, beautiful big blood moon, just began to rise slowly in the sky. And so when the light of the moon began to hit the sky, the stars weren't quite as bright anymore. But the moon was beautiful. And he goes, and I watched the moon and just stared at the moon and how beautiful and bright it was, realizing the moon doesn't have a light. The moon's just reflecting the sun from the other side of the planet. But there it was, and it's big and bright, and I'm enjoying the beauty of this moment. 
And as I'm laying there, having looked at the stars and now looking at the moon, laying there just talking to God, thinking about his family, a firefly, you know, lightning bug, flew right in front of his face and lit. And it scared him because it was so bright and it was so close and it got his attention. It, it frightened him because... And he said, he says this. He says, scare me to death because it was so bright, it was so close. And he said, that's when God got my attention. And he reminded me, I may not be the biggest light in my kid's life. That'd be the stars. I may not be the brightest light in my kid's life. That would have been the moon that night. But I can be the closest. That'd be the firefly. And even though that firefly was so small compared to the moon and stars, it was so much brighter because of its proximity, because it was so close. Now notice, this rhythm stuff that we talked about today, this isn't about starting something new. I don't know about you as a parent, I can't imagine taking on something else right now in life. We're maxed out. We're, we're, we're tapped out with, with busyness. I can't imagine trying to do something new. None of this is new stuff. This is stuff you're doing already. We all eat. We all drive to school and to work and to grandma's house. We all drive. We all go to bed. <laughs> At least we're supposed to. We all get up in the morning. The question is, are you going to start being intentional with the, these rhythms that God has given us? Because even if we do just the small things, just the little things, they will make a big difference in the lives of our kids and our teens. If we cooperate and begin to be intentional with those small rhythms that happen every day throughout the day, big things, big differences will be made in the life of our kids. The goal is not for you to do everything. It's just for you to engage. Just for you to engage with your family, to be intentional with the small things, and you will create a spiritual rhythm let's pray together father thank you for how you've taught us to use the rhythms of life to include you and teach us to to find ways to intentionally engage in the everyday part of our lives in a spiritual way with our kids that our our spiritual lives with our families not just something we bring out once a week or twice a year that it's something that happens every day but we do it intentionally Teach us to do that. Challenge us to do that. And God, now as we move into our time of communion, we gather now in the name of Jesus, our Christ, who invited all of us carrying heavy burdens to come to him. He bore our burdens, he healed us and saved us, and he invited us to his table where we practice for the heavenly banquet that awaits us all. So now, oh God, we pray that your spirit would descend upon our hearts upon these gifts of bread and cup and transform them from their daily use into this sacred meal as we share it together. By your Spirit, may our hunger and our thirst be filled. And may we be nourished to go out into the, the world to bear the burdens of others and to love better. For this meal and for so much, for, so much more, we offer our, our grateful, thankful hearts. In the name of Jesus.